Amen. Amen. You love the Lord this morning? Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord with you. Amen. The musicians, that's all we'll, we'll do so y'all can have your seats. I won't hold you very long this morning, and I know nobody really trusts when a minister says that, but I really do mean it this time, so I'll try my best. So, um, but It's good to be here. I really appreciate Brother Earl just inviting us up. Uh, my family was set to come with me, but, uh, you know, with three kids, anything can change at the drop of a hat, so so they didn't get to come with me this time, so just also bring greetings from our uh, our church and pastor, uh, Brother Ben Pruitt, uh, there in Hardy, so just uh, just another part of the bride just pressing on in this last day, amen? Amen. 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 Um, this morning, what I'd like to, just for a little bit, if we could, I'd just like to speak on uh, a little thought, a prisoner of fear, um, and it's something I really, <clears throat> I don't really want to, I'm a type of person, I don't like to focus on the bad side of things. I like to focus on the good side, figure out how to, you know, identify the problem, figure out the solution, and focus on the solution. But so the first little part of this may seem a little down and, you know, looking at fear, but but I really want uh, to look at that this morning. It's something that's really helped me just even studying this um, and, and just going through this. But we'll read from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. <clears throat> it says, For God hath given us the, given us the spirit of fear, or has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So that, I think as, as Christians, that's one thing we really need to remember. It's not according to our works that he called us, but it's according to his purpose and grace. So whenever you begin to think, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough for this. You know, God didn't call you to be good enough. He just called you to follow him and trust him. Amen. He said, which, is, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He said, but is now made manifest in the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So with that, you know, I just would like to study just here just a little bit that God hath not, has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So any time that we or any time that we have fear, we got to know that doesn't come from Him. Is that right? So we see, you know, I love how Brother Branham he says, and this is something that I'm really bad about. But Brother Branham says, "Why don't you slow down and live, huh?" He said, "That's right. What are you in such a hurry about?" And so with me, I'm a I'm a planner. I'm a budgeter. I've got the next five years of my life wrote down on paper. And one day, you know, I was studying this, and I heard Brother Branham say this, and I was like, you know, what, what's at the end of this for me? You know, I plan out the week, then I plan out the month, then I plan out the year. And it kind of just hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to die. You know, so I'm planning and I'm hurrying to get to the end of death, but that's the way my mind is working. So, you know, or either that or take a rapture, amen. We hope it's the, hope it's the other, the, the latter there. But, but sometimes we get so focused in on we've got to have this, we've got to have that, and we begin to look at this and look at that, and we, begin, we, we, we forget to stop and slow down and actually live and enjoy the moment. Is that right? Now, <clears throat> you know, Brother Brown says God doesn't want anyone to be bound. You believe that this morning? Now, the definition of a prisoner <clears throat> is one who is con confined in a prison by legal arrest or warrant. It's a person who's in re uh, arrested or in the custody of, of a sheriff, a police officer, or some authoritative power. Whether in prison or not, <clears throat> it's a captive, one that's taken in by an enemy in war, or it's one whose liberty is resta restrained as a bird in a cage. So... <clears throat> I want to focus just a little bit on that, on, on, on being a prisoner to fear and what fear actually is. Now, Brother Branham says, now Samson gave God his strength to use, but he didn't give God his heart. He gave his heart to Delilah and gave his strength to God. He says, but you've got to come and surrender soul, body, spirit, strength, everything you are to the will of God and become a prisoner to him. He said, you're going to be somebody's prisoner. You don't belong to yourself. Either you become a prisoner to him or you're somebody else's prisoner. You're either a prisoner of the devil, knowing the truth and surrender to it or a prisoner of the word and surrender to God one or the other you're either the devil's prisoner to sin or you're God's prisoner to righteousness you're one or the other now <clears throat> we look at that and you know when we say we're a prisoner to Christ we know that whenever we're where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty is that right so when we say we're a prisoner to Christ it's not that we're we're chained to him to where we can't do stuff uh, we can't do certain things but whenever you fully surrender your life to God and you're filled with the Holy Ghost those worldly things those sinful things you no longer have the desire to do. Is that right? 
Amen. So if I was to come here and if I was to take my child and, and, and make him live a certain way his whole life and make him, you know, follow the rules, uh, uh, let's say follow the rules of the message and, and grow up and do that, but if he never met Christ, it would do him no good. Is that right? We can live perfect until the day we die, but if we don't accept Christ as our Savior, then we're not going to make it to heaven. Is that right? So we, we see that we want to be bound in His Word. We want to be bound to Christ, but it's not in the way that we are not free to do things, but we do it because we love Him. Is that right? Now, I, I like this saying, and I, I say it to my, my kids all the time, but uh, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't move forward until you fix it. Is that right? So, you know, and that, that's the thing with me. As I say to my little boy, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. So many times we come to church, and we want to throw fits, or we come, things happen in our life, and we want to throw a fit, but we get what we get, and how we handle that situation is, is what really potentially brings the outcome of that situation. Is that right? It's not so many times the action, but it's the reaction. So when I looked, I like to study on fear, and I like to I like to test things on people without them knowing that I'm doing it. And I know that's terrible, but I definitely use my family a lot or other people. And, and I've told you all this before. You know, I guarantee if you go, I think I told this the last time I was here, you can go up to anybody and you can say, man, I had the best week of my life. It was the best week I've had in my 32 years of existence except Wednesday. And every time, I've done this 100 times, everybody will say, what happened Wednesday? So, you know, I had a great other six days, but everybody wants to focus in on the bad. What was wrong? What happened? And that's how we're programmed in this day. The news, the media, everything is pointing to what's bad. What's bad? Because fear is a control. Is that right? And we see that the media likes to control by fear. We see that if you're in a bad relationship and your spouse or your, or, or your significant other, whatever it is, they control you by fear. That's very wrong, and you should not stay in that relationship. Now, in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we see that if there's fear anywhere, then we see that it's not, it's not coming from God. Is that right? Now, we, um, you know, I don't know about y'all, but how many people in here worry? We got a few that are telling the truth. The rest of you lied. <clears throat> now, some people, if you don't have worries, I would love to be that type of person. I'm a pretty carefree individual, but I'd still have worries, Right? So I began to study on worry, and, and scientists took a bunch of control groups, and they took, you know, 40 people here, 40 people here, 100 people here, and they began to do uh, mathematical calculations on, on what was worrisome and then what actually came to pass. And they say that actually 91.39% of what you worry about never actually comes to pass. And so if you begin to look at it, you know, the more you worry about it, the more you focus on it, you, you see that you're attracting that to you. But they really said that 91% of the things that people worry about never even come true. And I think that's amazing how the human mind, I believe that's why Satan chose the mind and God chose the heart. Amen. Because the heart is something that you just have faith, you believe in, but the mind, it can wander, it can stray, it can, it, it can build things that never happen. If today I was to leave and, and Brother Randy went to shake my hand and maybe I looked right past him just on accident, didn't even see him, you know, he can build in his mind that I've got a grudge against him. And some of you laugh because you've done the same thing. If you see me in Walmart, I'm on a mission. I have a list on my phone. I'm not looking around. I'm not, I'm not passing go to collect $200. I want to get the stuff and get out. So there's so many times I've been in Walmart and I've snubbed people because, especially now with masks on, I'm not going to know who you are if you've got a mask on in Walmart. But we see that people can build these simple things out of their, in, in their mind and they can build these things and completely get this grudge against this person and all they did was didn't see them. Is that right? So we see that when we let fear take hold, it grows. Fear is like a cancer. And if you, if you listen to Brother Branham, and I know this is kind of a different message this morning, but I believe it's something that really helped me and hopefully it can help you this morning. But, but fear, it's a, it, the definition is a pain, painful emotion or passion excited by the expectation of evil. So now there's, there's a difference in being fearful and afraid. You know, I can sit here and be, I can have fear about being attacked by a grizzly. That's kind of not really a good fear. I really shouldn't fear that in, in Missouri. But when I went to Alaska and I was on a mission trip up there, I could be afraid if I seen a grizzly bear coming at me because that, that fear is real. Is that right? But that's the thing about the mind. We begin to build things that aren't even possible to happen or aren't going to happen, and we let that control our lives. And when fear begins to control our lives, then worry sets in, and, and, and we begin to see the effects of the worrisome. And, and I believe Brother Branham says worry is what causes cancer. Is that right? Nervousness causes cancer. And so we see it's the app apprehension of impending danger. Fear is accompanied with a desire to avoid or ward off an expected evil. Fear is an uneasiness of the mind upon the thought of a future evil likely to befall us. So we see here that 
that whenever you're in apprehension of evil, to be afraid or feel anxiety on the account of some expected evil. Now, it appears to me, you know, with what I work with and what I do for my job and the the people that I see, it seems like, especially with this last election, everything that was going on, I don't know about you, I was worried, I was in fear, you know, I I didn't know what was going to happen, whether who you voted for, that's up to you, but but we see that the nation was torn and there was fear just on every hand. This side was afraid of this one, this side was afraid of that one, and we've seen what that did to our country, is that right? Probably for the first time in in my lifetime that we'd see that type of division in a country, or, or, or in this country at least. Now, we see that Satan governs by fear, and, and it's just like this story. There was a, there was a dictator one time, and, and he, was, he was handing over his kingdom, and he was, he was looking at some, some individuals that were going to possibly take over. And, and so what he did was he, he had these birds there, and he said, whoever can hold the bird for five minutes without killing it would be the, the next dictator, be the one to take over his kingdom. And he had two sons, and he was doing this with, and, and the first one held it too tight and killed it. The second one held it too loose, and the bird flew away. And what the, the dictator said you had to do was he, he grabbed the bird and he began to pull the feathers out, away so it, feathers out of it so it couldn't fly away. And he said by the time he had plucked it, you know, plucked the feathers off of it, the bird was cold and, and unfeathered and it began to actually draw close to the dictator to draw warmth from his hands. And, and we see that's how Satan is. He begins, to, he begins to get fear in your life and then he begins to take everything away from you, your friends, your family. Your association in church begins to take all that away and then, and then you look at the very end and all you have is nothing. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to take everything away from you and then, and then give you nothing in return. Now, now there's, a, there's, a, there's a funny thing in, in life that, that some people, uh, and I know I'm, I'm bouncing around, but I'm laying a foundation for, for what, we, what we need to do to avoid fear. Amen? And I know it's not as easy as, you know, I look at my son and, and sometimes and he does something and I'm like, no, you just need to do this. And I forget that he's eight and three, and then a one-and-a-half-year-old. So you can't, you can't deal with an eight-year-old like you can with a three-year-old. You can't deal with a three-year-old like you do the one-year-old. And that's the way it is in church, and I don't mean to be mean, but some of you are more mature in those Scripture than some others. I'm probably not as mature as some of you in the Scripture, but we still can all have things that we can say that would benefit one another. Is that right? Now, there's this thing called fear of failing. I don't know if you've heard of it, but what it is is most people won't do something because they're afraid they're going to fail at it. They haven't even tried it, but they're so worried that they're going to fail, they won't even attempt to do it. Now, this is not my nature. Now, my wife's not here, and I hope y'all aren't streaming so she can't see this, but my wife's nature is the other way. She's afraid that she's got to look at it, analyze it, make sure it's right. I'm bullheaded. I put my blinders on, and I hit it 100 miles an hour. If I get into something, I'm into it. I got into mountain biking a while back and downhill mountain biking. I had no idea what I was doing and almost died on a mountain bike because I wanted to do the, the, the steepest trail that I could find. And that's the way it was. With her, it was, it's completely different. She wants to, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be good at it, so she may never do it. I jump right in and say, well, we're going to find out, right? So fear of failing is a real thing, and, and, and I think as, as many people, as young people, as I talk to, as I talk to young people in church and, and, and around the country, and, and we see that a lot of young people have fear of failing because they're afraid they can't live up to this message. They can't live exactly what they need to be, and I, I really try to talk to them a lot of times and say, you know what, if you just surrender your life to Christ, He'll get you through to the end, amen. If we can just so surrender ourselves to Him and let Him take control of our lives, whatever we have need of, He'll see us through to the end. Do you believe that? How many times have you looked and you needed healing? You didn't know where to turn. The doctor couldn't do anything for you, but Jesus stepped in. Is that right? How many times have you looked at your family? It was falling apart, but Jesus stepped in and and brought that family back together. Is that right? So we see that if you have a fear of failing, guess what? You're going to fail. If you're so afraid that you can't, you say, well, I can't live up to this. I can't live up to that. I just want you to know, just let go of your world or your thoughts and your mindset and let God take control and he'll make a miracle out of your life this morning. Now we see that if you, if you look at the fear of failing, it's so sad because there's so much potential that lays within each one of us and, and what we have the potential to do as Christians in this day. You know, we don't, want to, we don't want the word just to be, we don't want to just go out and hand out Bibles. We want to be a living monument to Christ. Is that right? We want, to, we want people to look at us and say, I want what they've got. If we're walking around frowning and fussing and gossiping and mad all the time, nobody's going to want to be that way. But if we're loving, caring Christians, brothers and sisters, people are going to see that and they're going to want that. And so instead of fearing or instead of being afraid that you're not going to do right, you're not going to do this, just surrender your life to God and let Him take control and see what He can do. Amen. 
Now, I've got just a few testimonies of people who, who have failed just over and over again. I'm just going to read through these just real quick, but you look at Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents that we've ever had as far as what he had done while he was in office. And you see in 1832, Abraham Lincoln had lost his job. And in 1832, the same year, he was defeated for legislature. In 1833, he failed in business and went bankrupt. 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he was defeated for speaker. In 1843, he was defeated for Congress. In 1849, he was rejected as the land officer. 1854, he was defeated as U.S. Senator. In 1856, he was defeated for, uh, in the U.S. Vice President. In 1858, he was defeated for U.S. Senate again. In 1860, he was elected President of the United States of America. And I love what he said. He said, you cannot fail unless you quit. Right? And so many of you this morning may think, well, I'm not, I've, I've not got it right this time. I've not got it right this time. I'm just going to give up on God, give up on church. The only way you can fail Christ this morning is if you quit. If you keep pressing on, if you keep pushing towards the mark of the high calling, as Paul said in the Bible, you will reach your end desire, and that will be Jesus Christ. Amen. If Christ is leading you, if Christ is pushing you, and Christ is pulling you, then he'll make sure he sees you through to the very end. You look at Walt Disney and who created Disney and had the, probably the most imaginative thing ever come to, you know, where he could take imagination, put it on paper, and, and, and create things. You know, he was fired from the Kansas City Star because his editor felt he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Well, so what if Walt Disney would have took that and said, this is it. We wouldn't have Disney. We wouldn't have Pixar. We wouldn't have all Walt Disney or Disneyland and Disney World. We wouldn't have any of those things if he'd have just stopped right there. You look at Michael Jordan, he says one time, he said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, and 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. He said, I failed over and over again in my life, and he says, that is why I succeed. You know, if I played sports in high school, and, and you know, there was just people on the team that's like, give me the ball. Like, it's the last second shot, point three seconds on the clock, you've got to get it off, you've got to get it in the basket. And there was several people who was like, don't give me the ball. Throw it as far away from me as you can. And then there's other people like, give me the ball. I want the ball. And so you see as Christians, we look at that and we see in this age, you know, we don't want to deal with the situations in church. We don't want to deal with the situations in our marriage. We don't want to deal with the situations with our family, our friends. And, and, but there's some people who are, are, are strong faith believers that are like, hey, let me, let me get down and pray. Let me take care of this situation. And, and so I begin to, I begin to really study about, about fear and um, uh, uh, Proverbs 24 and 16 says, For a just, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So we see that as a just man falls, he gets back up. He fails, he gets back up. He fails, he gets back up. Now, there's, a, there's an old proverb that says, The day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. You know, I think uh, there's another uh, old proverb that says, um, You know, the, the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Right? You know, you wanted to plant the tree 20 years ago so you'd have the shade now, you'd have the fruits of it now, but the next best time is now. Don't say, well, I didn't plant it 20 years ago, so I'm going to wait another 20 years. If you need to make a change, make that change now. So we, we look here and, and we see that, that, that whenever we begin to develop, fear begins to develop trust issues. Is that right? Right? If I'm afraid that my wife is going to leave me all the time, that's going to develop trust issues. And that's going to affect our relationship. If I'm afraid all the time that Jesus isn't going to see me through to the end, that's going to develop trust issues. Is that right? If I'm afraid that my pastor's not doing the right thing, it's going to develop trust issues. If I'm afraid the deacon isn't doing the right thing, it's going to develop trust issues because I'm afraid of that situation. Now, I, I read a good quote one time, and I used, to, I used to be complete opposite of what I am now, but the Lord delivered me. But I used to worry about what everybody thought about me all the time. And now I went too far to the opposite side where I don't care what anybody thinks about me. So my wife tries to bring me back in, but, but I used to be that way. And, and I read a quote one time, and it said, um, it said, I used to worry what other people thought about me until I tried to pay my bills with their opinions. So, you know, you're, the, somebody else's opinion about you doesn't really dictate what you are or who you are, right? You know, I, I believe it is, uh, I heard a preacher say one time, you know, what other people say about you, what, what, it, what they think about you doesn't change the way God thinks about you. And so what we need to realize is, as Christians, it's not that we can get so much to the point where we just don't care what anybody thinks to where we live any way we want to. So I want to make sure you understand I'm trying to keep in the middle of the road. If you're a Holy Ghost-filled Christian, I'm not saying you can go out and do anything you want and not care what anybody says. You've got to, you've got to line your life with the Word. Yeah. 
this morning. Is that right? You got to line up with him. There's, you know, there's, there's no other way, there's no other way to heaven except through Christ. Is that right? The Bible says he's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's everything that you need to get to heaven. It's in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You can't go through brother Branham. You can't go through me. You can't go through brother Earl. You can't go through brother Sam. You've got to go through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so begin, I begin to, begin to study what the opposite of fear was because I thought it was courage or bravery or something. And, and then I begin to study the scripture and study the message and I found out the opposite of fear is love. And so, and we'll get through that. This is the, this is the fun part because I, I love this part. But, you know, I, I, I seen one time, a, 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 it was an old quote from soldiers and it said they, they didn't fight because they hated the men in front of them. They, they fought because they loved the men behind them. And so we see that the opposite of fear is love. And now the funny thing about fear and worry is that it's completely made up in our minds and worry does not take away tomorrow's trouble, but it takes away today's peace. Now, <clears throat> When love sets in, and, and some of y'all remember, remember, I'll be married 10 years this May, and um, you know, the honeymoon phase really lasted a very long time for me and Jen, and then we had children. <laughs> and that's when the honeymoon phase kind of slowed down a little bit, and, and, um, and I say that jokingly, but, but, but when you love someone, you trust someone, right? And so when you fully love and have surrendered your life to Christ, you'll trust Him, yeah. Right? Now, and, and some of you young people, you know, I had, you know, uh, before I met my wife, I thought I loved this one or thought I loved that one. And, but then when you find the one, you just know, right? And I don't want to tell, I hate to give young people marital advice. I've only been married 10 years in May, so I still don't know what I'm doing. But she hadn't left me yet, so I feel like that's a plus in my favor, but... But you, you feel like you, you, you found the one and why I'm going this direction. I don't know if there's a young girl or young boy here that's about to get serious, but you need to pray about it. Right? When God gives you that peace that passes all understanding where you can't explain it, that's when, God, that's when you know. And listen, if it, they're not Holy Ghost-filled people, then I can go ahead and tell you God's not, probably not leading you in that direction. Amen? Maybe overstepping my bounds, but if they're not living up to the Word, word and you're not living up to the Word, you probably don't need to be getting married. Find Christ first, and then he'll lead you to the right one. Amen? Whoever that was for, that was free. So, but the opposite of fear is love. And so I begin to study this, and, and I begin to look through, through Brother Branham's, through his sermons and all these things. And every time before he was about to cast out a demon or, or somebody was about to be, be getting healed, he would say, fear not. That fear had to leave because if they were afraid, then nothing could happen. If that fear was there, if that worry was there, if that, if that trouble was there, then God couldn't work. And so I really began to realize how big it was that I needed to get fear out of my life. And it's not that, uh, that I'm, uh, I'm uh, uh, just brave and I just take every situation. Obviously, as, as human beings, as mortals, we're going to be afraid sometimes. But we've kind of got to settle ourselves and focus back in on Him. Now, 1 John 4 and 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this, he was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son to the world that we might live through him. He said, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, I, I'm a pretty harsh talker with me and my wife. If somebody does something, you know, if, if you do anything to me, I don't care. But if you do something to my kids or my wife, I get just irate, you know, and I can't help it. And it's not that I've ever done anything bad, but if you do something, I'm definitely going to say something about it. If you do something to my kids or my wife, I'm one of those parents, you know, that that's not at the ball game screaming at the ref, but you know, if, if something's happened, I'm going to let them know that this is my kid. You, you can't do that. Now we see that the love of Christ is not the same way as a, as a parent would be, right? Because God is needing us to grow and mature. And I can go ahead and tell you, if I was there for my kid and put him in a bubble, he's never going to know how to live once he turns 18. And, and, and daddy's not there to take care of him. So we see that God, when he puts us through trials and tribulations, it's for the perfecting of the saints. Is that right? When God puts things upon us, he doesn't give us anything more than we can bear. And he'll be there with us, but he's making us grow. He's perfecting that gold for the kingdom. Is that right? Now, he says, if, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He said, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So we see that for God's love to be perfected, it needs to be perfected in us. Is that right? 
He said, Hereby we know that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and have believed that the love of God hath to us. He says, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in love. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is so Because as he is, so are we in the world. He said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now you go back to Brother Branham's testimony about running into the bull. It was perfect love. He said he he had the choice to be afraid, or you look at the yellow jackets or the hornets. But when that perfect love came, it cast out the fear. And he says, because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now this isn't mushy-gushy love. This is perfect love. This isn't like me going up and Sam offending me, but I put a smile on and I go up and shake his hand. Oh, I love you, brother. You're such a great man. I love your songs. And then me walking off and being like, I can't stand him. That's not love. (laughs) That's fake. (laughs) Right? If you do that, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you enjoy talking about people, and I'm about to get real for a minute, if you enjoy talking about people and picking out their faults, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you enjoy tearing someone down, you need to get filled with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because when, if you say that you love God and you love your brother, but you don't love your brother, then the Bible says you're a liar. Is that right? So we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So the scripture puts it pretty plain there. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. It says, how can you love someone you how can you not love someone you see and love someone you don't see? So I believe the scripture break, breaks it down very clear in the, ver- in the 21st verse. It said, this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. And so we see that when, when perfect love sets in and that fear is cast out, you can see in a marriage when, when two people, um, you, you can look at a marriage and you can typically see when it's good. I know we can all show on the outside that it looks good and all show on the inside that it looks good, but, but there's, when you go home, you have to meet that face to face. And if you've got perfect love in a marriage, that fear is cast out. I don't have to worry, you know, me and my wife are a uh, hundred miles or so apart. I'm not worried what she's doing this morning and she's not worried what I'm doing because there's perfect love there that I trust her and that brings brings a trust. Whenever you, whenever you begin to love your brothers and sisters, that's when the devil, he, he don't like that. When you begin to love one another, whenever you begin to have so much trust that, in one another that when this one prays, you believe that God's going to answer it. When this one stands up or raises their hands, that sparks faith in you to do the same thing. Is that right? Brother Random says in a personal experience with God, he says this loving him, he says, oh, we say we have faith. He says, we have love. He says, but if we had love, then we'd have faith. For that is, he said, perfect love cast out fear. And when fear is gone, faith is perfect. So when we can get fear out of our lives, and then faith can set in, and then that perfect love can set in, and then faith can take hold in our lives. Brother Branham said, how will the world know that we love Jesus? Right? He asked that question. He says, how will the world know we love Jesus? He says, when we love one another. He said, God sees your faith. He said, and the world sees your action. He says, love one another now. Be kind to one another. Talk with one another. Be patient with one another. Amen. One time I got my little boy, Matney. He was seven, six years old at the time. I think maybe, maybe six years old when I preached this last. And I, we have a, an altar like this as well and a big pulpit like this. And I, I just hollered at him. I was like, Matney, come up here. And he come running up to the front. And I, I, I set him up here and I turned him around backwards and I got behind him. I was like, fall. And he just jumped. No abandonment, just jumped backwards and I caught him. You know, if I was to do that to Brother Randy, I'd say he'd probably be like, you know what? I'm going to set this one out. All right? And I don't blame you. I may, I may try to catch you, but I don't think I'm physically able to not mean you not to hit the floor. But, but you look at that, that, that faith, and I did that to show that that, that, that love that me and him have, that, 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 that love of a father and a son, he just jumped. I mean, he jumped too fast, honestly. I was really expecting him to kind of turn around and look, but he just jumped. And so we see that that's the, that's the love that I have with Christ this morning. Because I'm not worried if he's going to catch me. I know he's going to catch me. Amen. I, I've been here too long. I've, I've, been, I've, I've, I've not been perfect my whole my Christian walk, my life. But God has caught me and picked me up every single time. Amen. And I can say that to you this morning. If you're struggling this morning, if, you're, if you don't know if there's a way out, I'm telling you there's one way out, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have a need this morning, you can call upon his name. And he said, I will answer. Is that right? 
Scripture said the word is nigh thee even on your lips. So if you have a problem, if you have a situation, don't go to me, don't go to Brother Sam, don't go to Brother anybody else, but go to Christ and let him take care of it for you. Amen. <clears throat> now, Brother Bram says in fellowship and he says, now we have these great things that we can do in the realm of faith. He says, faith works great things for us. And if you brethren here tonight, he says, get in here. He says, if you can't have faith till you have love. He said, that's all there is to it. You just, he says, perfect love casts out fear. And as long as you've got fear, you can't have faith. So when you've got, he says, you've got to have love first. It drives fear out. He says, and then faith comes in and takes the place of fear. He says, so when you have that, you're coming right along. Now, so we're looking here this morning at perfect love casts out fear, and when we can get that to over, take over our lives and that fear leaves, then faith begins to set in. Now, Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am with thee, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So before God could do anything in Abraham's life, he had to get fear out of the way. He said he couldn't fear so faith could come in. He says, no matter how great our talents are, our efforts, you know, God, God, God uses us and it takes time, some time for God to do things. Now, this is a pretty crude quote, but in you and our time and the time we live in, we want minute rice, we want microwave dinners, we want everything fast, we want everything as fast as it can be, we want it there. Is that right? You know, my favorite thing about coming up here and preaching right after preaching to y'all and fellowshipping with y'all is Chick-fil-A. You know, Brother Earl, he invites me. I'm like, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> right? And you don't know how many times I've drove to Chick-fil-A on Sunday and just been like, oh, no, they're closed, <laughs> right? They let me down. That's one thing you can't do. You cannot come to church. I don't care how bad the preacher is, and I'm not a very good minister. I'll admit that first and foremost. But it doesn't matter how much, you, what, if you come to church and you, and you pull on the gift of God and you, and you begin to read the scripture, you've prayed, you've studied, you've done your part, God's going to speak to you. God's going to do something for you. He's not going to let his children come and not be fed. Is that right? Now, Brother, or Brother Ram says in testimony in 1951, he says, Jesus always said, fear not, do not fear. He said, don't do that. He says, if you do, then God can't work with you. And he says, if you believe, then God can work with you. Isn't that right? He says, now have faith in God. And he said, I believe that's what Jesus said was have faith in God. And you go back and you listen to all the testimonies, everything that, that Brother Branham did, all the healings and everything. He was, he was telling people, fear not, fear not, only believe, only believe, fear not. If you look at that. And so I begin to study that and man, I feel like I just got really loud. Did I? Yeah, whoa. If it was me, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm still loud, but I can whisper. <clears throat> I love it, you know, I, I breaking up the service, because this is a, more of a slower service. It's not what I'm used to. I'm usually 100 miles an hour machine gun. When I run out of ammo, I just stop. But, but this is what God laid on my heart. But my little boy, I love it. He'll come in there in the morning, and his little sister will be asleep, and he'll be whispering. And what he does when he whispers is he talks the same loud, the same volume, but he like adds S's to the ends, you know. It's like, Cecilia still asleeps. You know, I'm like, that's not whispering, buddy. You're still talking really loud. So there we go. I think we're getting better. All right. <clears throat> I wanted to talk through that so we could hear the sound. So amen. But Jesus said, you've got to fear not. You've got to cast out all fear. And you look at the testimonies that Brother Branham did. He had to cast out fear first. Now, Brother Branham says in 1960, he said in conference, he said, God is a contractor. He laid out all the bodies like he was going to build a subdivision. He knowed we would be here. He knowed I'd be here before the world began. He says, he knowed I'd be standing here before there was a world here. He knowed you'd be sitting in the seat that you're in. He's infinite. He said, certainly he knows you. He said, so what are you scared about? Amen. You believe that this morning. I love how he just puts that so plainly. If God knew we were going to be here, he knew the seat we were going to be sitting in this morning, then he's got a plan for our lives. Is that right? He put your name on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. The Bible says he did. He said, so what are you worried about? He says, you got the Holy Ghost sealed into the kingdom of God. He said, how long? He says, until the day of your redemption. Amen. He says, the church is scared. He says, don't be scared. Fear not. Only believe. That's what God wants. 
Sure. So we see that when God sets in, when that Holy Ghost sets in, we can still be afraid. That doesn't take your salvation away to have fear. But it does take away your full potential to in the Word of God. Because maybe there's times you're afraid, you're, you're asking for healing, but you let fear set in and that'll shut down healing right then. But if you can cast out that fear, God can heal you regardless of what the doctor says, regardless of what this one says. But if you have perfect love, it'll cast out fear and faith will set in. Amen. Now, I'd like to read you just a little uh, a story here of a, of a war soldier, and this is about fear and, and just looking at how that, that, that typifies the life of a Christian, and if I could, and, and, and kind of type in the natural to the spiritual. In 1944, there was a, there was a Japanese soldier named Hiro Onoda, and you've probably all heard the story. I know Brother Sam probably has. And he was sent out by the Japanese army to a remote Philippine island in Lubang, and his mission was to conduct guerrilla warfare during World War II and so he was sent to this island. He was given the instructions to do guerrilla warfare tactics, to fight the enemy at all costs, do what he had to do. Now, he was 20 years old when he was called up to join the army. Now, on December 17, 1944, he left for the Philippines to join the Sugi Brigade. And Onada first saw a leaflet that claimed the war was over in October of 1945. So, as you know, the war did end uh, at that time. And, and so he saw a leaflet and... So there were actually cells of Japanese soldiers that were still living in these Philippine islands that were actually fighting. Still, even after the war was over, they were still fighting. They were still holding their, their positions. And, and so they had these little cells, and they lived together. And I believe uh, Onada kind of lived with about three or four other men. And, and so they, the, the villagers and the islanders began to throw out leaflets telling the war was over. And, and so the war had ended on August 15th, come down from the mountains. But as they sat in the jungle, the leaflet just didn't seem right. It didn't make sense for another cell who had been fired upon the day before. And, and, and if the war were over, they would, why would they still be under attack? So they decided to, that it was a ruse by the Allied propagandists that they would, would come out of the mountains and then have to surrender and be attacked. So, so uh, again, the outside world tried to reach the, the survivors living on the island by dropping leaflets out of a Boeing B-17 near the end of 1945. And printed on these leaves was a surrender by uh, the general of the Japanese army, of the 14th Area Army, having already hidden on the island for a year. The only proof of the end of the war being the leaflet, Anata, and the others scrutinized every letter and every word on this piece of paper. One sentence in particular seemed suspicious, and so it, it, it began to, they said, you know, we're not going to surrender. Um, I think I just went blank again, did I? Yeah. I can use this handheld if that's okay. Am I good again? No. Hello. Hello. Okay. Amen. So maybe somebody really needs to know this. If you've been afraid, if you've been fearful, maybe this is the Lord just speaking to your heart. You need to let it go. And I know this is a very simple message. I believe if it speaks to everyone's heart this morning, I hope so. And so they be, again, they believe it was an allied hoax, and the leaflet after it was dropped, and then they dropped newspapers, and they sent photographs of relatives and friends, and and they just they uh, just was he just like this can't be real, this can't be real, and year after year the four men on, men huddled in the rain, and and they they scrounged for food, and they did this, and they did that, and they considered uh, people dressed as islanders to be enemy troops, and they continued to attack people, and 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 so we see that innocent people died because a few lived in fear. Is that right? Now, the proof was that there was, um, uh, that they were still in the war, that every time they fired upon somebody, you know, they would fire back, but it's just the islanders protecting themselves. And, and so we see here that for 29 years, Anata continued to, live in the, continued to live in the jungle until his country would again would need his services, and the information for the war was over. So we see for 29 years, this man, if you actually read his full testimony, he talks that he said he was so afraid that everybody became the enemy. And I believe in our Christian walk, we can get to that point where we're so fearful that we've maybe been hurt by a minister in the past. We've been hurt by a lay member in the past. We've been hurt by a deacon in the past. We've been hurt by a husband or a wife in the past. Then we begin to scrutinize everybody else judged on what somebody else did. And as Christians, if you begin to judge every minister because one minister hurt you, then you're never going to get anything from anybody else. Is that right? If you begin to judge, you know, if you begin to judge your lay members, maybe another lay member hurts you and you can't fellowship with anyone else because this one hurts you, so everybody else has got to be like that. That's not the way it works. Just because there was one bad apple doesn't mean the rest of the bushel's not good. Is that right? Amen. If you get a bad apple, like Brother Branham says, if you're eating cherry pie and you get a seed, you just spit it out. Is that right? And you keep eating cherry pie. 
Now, when you isolate yourself from, and you see that Onada, he isolated himself from these, from these people, and for 29 years, he was fighting a war that was already over. And I believe as Christians, we, we've been fighting a war that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, the war was over. Amen. Freedom was declared that day for you and I, that no matter what happened, our souls were saved and sealed into the day of our redemption, but we're still fighting a war that Christ has already declared to be over. So as Christians, we can't fight with one another. This war is already won. We already know the outcome. And we know that one day you and I are going to sit beside our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is that right? So we see that when fear sets in, it allows you or it causes you to do things that you would not normally do. Is that right? So for 29 years, this man lived in fear even though the war was over. Now, 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Do you believe that this morning? And I love this scripture, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I love how even Paul at this time says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself. Because I, I guarantee you, most of church situations, most of family situations are first something happened and then we begin to imagine on that. We begin to think on that and we begin to conclude what actually is happening in our own mind. Is that right? Amen. If your husband says something to you just a little bit off, you begin to build, well, why did he say that? And you begin to begild this conjecture and this thought pattern in your mind. And, and before you know it, you're about to have a big fight and he just maybe said something the wrong way. Is that right? Or the wife, vice versa. So we see that whenever we cast down these imaginations, when Satan puts something in your mind against your brother, against your sister, against your pastor, you've got to cast that down. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So we don't want to show, you know, as Christians in this day, I, I definitely don't mind witnessing to people. I don't mind handing out tracts or, or sharing scripture with somebody. But, but what the world really needs to see is Christ in flesh form again in this day through you and I. They need to see somebody that can live this message to a T, that can live this word to a T, because we fell in love with Christ. And once that fear is gone, we can surrender ourselves completely to him that he would have control in our lives. Is that right? You see, the Pharisees, they had it in letter form. Is that right? We don't want to just have it in letter form. We want to have the Spirit of Christ living on the inside. Now, Brother Bram says, and speak to the rock. He says in 1953, he says, the devil hates me, and I know he hates you too. So, okay, so we have it from a prophet. The devil does not like you and I. He hates us. He said, he's my enemy, but as long as God's my friend, I don't have no fear of him. I just drive him right on back. He said, I take the word of God and I move him right on back. He said, you know, he didn't say I take quotes. I don't take this. I don't take that. I don't take my own mind or my own theology, but I take the word of God and move him right on back. He says, out of the place that he thinks he's holding. So I love that. I love how Brother Branham says that. He doesn't give the devil any credit in this quote, that he's got you or do anything. He just says the devil thinks he's holding you. He says he hasn't got no strongholds. He's absolutely legally defeated in every place. The devil hasn't got one legal right nowhere at all. Do you believe that this morning? He's just a devil and a password. That's all. He has no legal right. He said to any man that will accept the promise of Jesus Christ, he's whipped. Yes, sir. He's whipped in sickness. He's whipped in disappointments. He's whipped in everything. He's whipped in death. He can't scare me and he can't scare you. He's just a big old shadow. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Brother Bram says, again, fear not. So we see that. I love how he says he's whipped in disappointments. How many times have you been disappointed by, by other people in the message or, or by, by fellow Christians or fellow believers? You've been disappointed and you let that eat at you for a little bit. You know, I don't care who it is. If I fall away tomorrow and go astray, that should not affect you and your Christian walk with Christ. If you fall away tomorrow, if I hear, if, if Brother Earl texts me and says, hey, you know, we want you to come preach again, but half the church is gone, I'm still going to come preach. That's not going to affect me. Now, yes, it's going to be sad. I'm not going to like that. I'm going to obviously pray about that situation and pray for you. But that's not going to change my relationship with Christ. Just because somebody else couldn't make it doesn't mean that I can't make it. Amen. Just because I'm, maybe, maybe I don't make it doesn't mean that you can't make it this morning. Is that right? Just because somebody else isn't healed doesn't mean that you can't be healed this morning. Do you love the Lord this morning? <clears throat> Amen. I'll, I won't hold you very much longer. And just want to free, read a few more scriptures and quotes and just kind of tie everything up here. In Luke verse, or chapter 12, verse 28, it says, if, if then God so clothes the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
You know, I've looked back at my life many times and just seen how, you know, I would have never picked the path that God would have put me on, but, but he's seen me through to the end. Is that right? And you, this scripture's really done a lot for me. If he's going to clothe the grass, how much more does he care about his children? Is that right? If he, you know, you know the scripture, if he, uh, if he cares about the sparrow, if he cares about this, he cares about you. Now, in verse 29, it says, Seek not ye that ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do, in the, do the nations and the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we see that, you know, sometimes we worry and we let worry set in about something that's not going to happen. But, but here Jesus, or the, the, Jesus is saying, fear not, little flock, because if you're hungry, he'll feed you. If you need clothes, he'll give you clothes. Is that right? <clears throat> the inside man in 1953, Brother Ram says, and when he throwed down some wood, speaking of Paul here, he says, the great deadly beast, the serpent, bit him right through the hand. And the beast was so deadly till if it bit a person, they usually drop dead within a minute or two. And so the natives said, that man said, look, his chain's on him. He's a prisoner. He must be a murderer because he certainly says he might escape the storm, he's, but he's not going to escape that. This serpent, he's going to die. He says, now look a moment. Paul looked and seen it. He said this and all, they, and all that agreed. He said there was not a speck of fear. He said they'd take up serpents and it'll not harm them. He looked at that deadly bite, no fear. He says, if you fear, then Satan steps in. Satan's fear, but he says, but perfect love casts out all fear. He says, there you are. He says, I'm God's man. And there hangs the serpent, but there's not one speck of fear here or there. He said, see, it's all in harmony. Now, we see here that when Paul was bit, you know, that he, he could not let fear set in. You know, many times in situations in our life, you get a phone call that's maybe troublesome or something's going on. You hear about a certain situation that needs prayer about, and we can let fear and worry set in, or we can let faith set in. And we can begin to pray for that situation, or we can begin to worry about it and dwell on it and think of all the possible outcomes. But if we can cast that aside and focus solely on Christ, who is the solution to every problem that you and I will face, then we can go through with Him. Is that right? 2 Timothy 2 and 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. He said, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto the bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So we see that the word of God is not bound. And I don't know if I've given you the testimony of my feet one time, and I don't think I have here, but I know Sam's probably heard it. He was actually on the hiking trip with me, but well, uh, me and Sam are very, very similar and the like. We're very ambitious, and we're obviously not in shape to t hike a 15-mile trail, but we see a sign that says 15-mile trail. We're like, you know what? We can do this. And so one time, me and Sam took the young men from our church uh, several years ago, probably 12, 13 years ago. And, and um, we took them on. A, we were going to go hiking, and I'd had um, uh, issues with my feet. It just felt like I was walking on pins and needles all the time. And I was, I was healthy other than that. You know, didn't really know what was going on. But just when I'd get up in the morning, it was just like I was standing on nails just all the time. And this had went on for a few months. And so... You know, we, we get there, and it's, it's really it's, it's a funny story. Two kids from the church actually got in a fight on the way there because one ran off the road and threw gravel at the other car. And, and, and so, you know, everything that could have been distracting us was distracting us. And, you know, me and Sam, you know, Sam's always about, about the Father's business and, and, and wanting to spend time and fellowship around the Word. And I'm not near as close to him on his level as, as he's at. But, um, you know, I was excited to go do some hiking, spend some time. And so we get there, and we hike a few smaller trails. We sleep in the, uh, the tent that night, and we're going to hike this 15-mile uh, Butterfield hiking trail the next day. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge mountain, Sam. There were multiple mountains in that. And what's really funny is Sam, very ambitious, you know, pretty much had a, you know, five-course meal on his back, 30 water bottles. By the end of that trip, he had a backpack empty. Yeah, he had a case of waters. And me and his brother Dan were carrying everything that he had took on that trip. <clears throat> Jesus said, lay your burdens down, and he did. <clears throat> me and Dan was back there, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and we will give you rest. But we started out on this trip, and, and you look at that in a Christian walk. Many times we start out we too loaded down, too heavy with our burdens, and, and you really you have to give those to God or you won't make it through to the end. And, um, but we begin to, mark, and I'm just giving this testimony just here for a few moments, and we begin to go on this trip, and, and every mile I would take my boots off and just rub my feet because it just hurt so bad, but I, would, I kept saying I'm healed, 
every mile. I would just, that was my whole focus on this trip. And I was feeling called to go in the ministry, but everybody was fighting so much, I just didn't get the time to tell them. And so <clears throat> I could have focused on all the bad things of this trip. But every mile, I took my boots off. I was like, I'm healed. I didn't say it to him. I didn't say it to anybody else. Just in my head, I prayed, I'm healed. So by the end of that trip, you're expecting me to say I was healed, but I wasn't. <clears throat> so I was kind of discouraged a little bit. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep saying it, all right? So probably six, seven months go by, and I keep just having these terrible pains. I mean, just it was just so hard for me to walk and, 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 even, and even just stand for long periods of time, but I did it because I, I had to work, had to do those things, and I just kept saying I'm healed. I'm healed. I didn't want to go to the doctor. I'm healed. And so it was actually about six months later, we we're doing communion and foot washing at our church. And I hadn't even been saying that I was healed for probably a few weeks at this point. I wasn't, I wasn't getting discouraged. I just said it so much. It just, just wasn't saying it that day. And while I was getting my foot, foot, feet washed in, in foot washing communion, my feet, the pain left me forever. And it hasn't been back since. And so we see that, you know, we, we look at our lives, trials and our troubles. And I could have focused on the two boys fighting. You know, this is a youth getaway, which me and Sam were in charge, so you know things, it's going to be chaotic, but, but you see, you can focus on all the bad things. You can keep saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, and if you focus on the promise, if you walk towards the promise, God will make sure that you're healed. Is that right? Now, I give that testimony because maybe somebody in here has been struggling for a very long time with a, with a, with a similar situation or a spiritual situation, and, and what I'm here to tell you is don't get caught up in the distractions. I believe Winston Churchill, I've probably said it a million times here, but Winston Churchill said it best. He says, you'll never get to your destination if you stop and throw a stone at every dog that barks. So if you're, if you're walking through this Christian life and you want to get closer to God, you can't get caught up in the gossip. You can't get caught up in the fighting and the arguing. You've got to stay true to the word. If you want to get closer to God, the thing you need to focus on is Jesus Christ. Is that right? You can't focus on Sam's problems or him bickering with this one or that one or this one bickering with this one and that one. If you want to get closer to God, you focus solely on his word. Is that right? Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? And, and Brother Bram says here in, the, in, in love, in perfect love in 1956, he says, Peter said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is to you and your children and them as afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. I don't know about you, but my children are not of the age of maturity yet. But, but you know, we've been talking to them about it and, and, and trying to go over it with them. But I'm believing no matter if they go astray when they turn 18 or they move out or, or whatever happens. But I'm going to hold on to that promise that it's to me and my children. Is that right? He said, amen, the Lord. He said, that means me. He says, and that settles it all. Anything God says, if you love him so much, you believe it. He says, oh, I feel religious right now. He says, to think that perfect love cast out all fear. He said, you're not scared about nothing. You're just resting. He says, you're not. He says, oh, I may backslide tomorrow. I may backslide next week. He said, I won't worry about that. I'm not trying to hold on. It says, he held on for me. Is that right? He said, and he put a love in my heart that holds me there. He says, it's him holding me, not me holding him. He said, if it was me holding him, I'd have probably turned loose. He said, but as long as he's holding me, he'll never turn loose. Is that right? Amen. The scripture says he'll not lose a one. Do you believe that this morning? He promised that he wouldn't. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, amen. Oh, that bear He says, oh, that heareth my words and believeth on me shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Amen. I don't know about you. You, you. Maybe somebody in here has got children that have gone astray, maybe not living exactly where they should be, but hold on to that promise of the Scripture that it said that as many as the Lord our God shall call, that's to you and our children. Is that right? Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Now, there's a, there's a uh, and I'm about to, about to wind this up, and I know I've said that, but I'm really not going to hold you just a few more minutes, but there's, um, uh, in the, the job that I work in, they, they really are, it's about growth and, 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 um, and, and trying to, um, it's pretty much about growth is pretty much what it is. It's what their, your goal set is growth. And now they, they pose this question a lot in, in, in business school, um, and they've done it with us. It says, what would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail? And so that's the question. And so I like to type that to the spiritual because I know that Christ can't fail. So as Christians, I want to ask you this morning, spiritually, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And I don't want an answer, obviously, right now, but think about that. Think about that you're, when, you, when you think of something and you think it can't happen, let's say you think your healing can't happen because you let doubt set in. You know, really, you're not speaking against yourself. You're speaking against the healer, which is Christ. Is that right? 
So don't put limits on God. Brother Branham says that so many times. Don't put limitations on God because what we believe as human beings, as mortals, if I put limitations on Sam, there's probably good limitations there. Sam, I, I, I can't, you can't jump up and touch this roof, so that's a limitation. But, but, but when we come to our healing, we come to our salvation, we come to our family and our, our problems in church or our problems in, in, in work, when we, put those, when we put those situations in God's hands, there's no limits to what he can do. Is that right? Now, the Patmos vision, Brother Ram says, Dear, he said, don't fear. He said, John, don't fear, little flock. All that I am, you are heir to. He said, all my power is yours. He said, your, um, he said, my omnipotence is yours, and I stand in your midst. He says, I have not come to bring fear and failure, but love and courage and ability. All my power is given unto me, is given unto yours to use. He said, you speak the word, and I'll perform it. That's my covenant, and it can never fail. So our job, that Brother Branham says, is our job to speak the word. It's God's job to expound and to do what we said in his name. Is that right? Now, it's not that he's like our little servant boy that we call and he answers. We do this or do that. But I don't know about you, but as a, as a, as a parent, as a, as a father, as a brother, as a son, it, it makes me feel good to do stuff for my children. It makes me do, feel good to do stuff for my parents or for my wife. And that's how Christ is. When we ask him to do something, it's, he's literally waiting for us to ask him. Because Brother Branham says God doesn't want you to be sad. He wants you to be happy. Is that right? Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all, all ye that, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And now we see many times in our Christian walk, and I, I see this a lot in, in young people, they carry the weight of someone else's burden, right? You know, if my wife's going through something, I go through it with her. If my church is going something, I go through it with them. And so we see that as Christians, we can't let that take precedence over our Christian walk to where that it so consumes us that we can't move forward with Christ. So what we've got to do is we've got to go to Christ. We've got to pray about the situation. We've got to handle the situation the way that the Scripture tells us to, and we've got to follow Him through to the end. Is that right? Now, in the proof of his resurrection, he says, if we have to stand alone, stand it, for it's God's word. Every man that ever got anywhere had to stand alone on his convictions only. That's not, he said, that's not a partnership. There's only one who will walk with you, and that's him who made the statement, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that will trod the valley with you. He will go through every briar patch, climb every mountain by your side. He says, yoke yourself up with him, for my yoke is light and my burdens are easy. Don't be yoked up with the things of the world. Don't be yoked up with the different societies and organization. Yoke yourself singly to the Lord Jesus Christ in order that you can do it and believe and see the resurrection. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. If you musicians would go ahead and come at this time. And so we see that the opposite of fear is not bravery. It's not courage. It's not someone getting up here and just, you know, um, just saying the, the, the right things at the right time. But it's perfect love that casts out all fear. And that's scripture there. And then we also have the prophet agreeing with that. So we know that whenever we want fear to leave, we have to have that perfect love come back in. 1963, an influence, but it's becoming of us to fulfill all righteousness. It's got to be said somewhere. You don't look at your fame, your popularity here. He said, you're a love prisoner to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And duty bound, he says, you're a prisoner to him. And you can't say nothing else but what the Holy Ghost says and preach the thing that's right. He says, you become a love prisoner to him. You don't care what it is. You've got to fulfill all righteousness. So I believe as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, when we begin to let Jesus take over, our Christ take over our lives and be the, uh, the one sitting on the control tower, we can, that fear will leave us. Amen. And I believe that, that today, whoever this was for, if it, maybe it was for me, for a reassurance, but if you sit here and you're constantly worried about everything that can go wrong, nothing will go right. But if you can come in and you can let the world fade away just for a few moments, if you can just set things aside and focus solely on Christ, God will do something for you. If you need healing but you're worried about getting healed, that's not going to work. You've got to let Christ come in. You've got to let fear leave. You've got to let faith take hold so that you can be healed this morning. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's just bow our heads this, this morning if we could. Maybe if you have an unspoken request this morning that we could amen, just lift our hands and we could just pray for together as the body of Christ. Amen. Let's just, just go to him for a few moments in prayer. Dear Lord, we just, we thank you for coming and just speaking to our hearts this morning. I'm sorry 
for the to the people that the message was so chopped up and so different this morning, but I pray it was a blessing to someone's soul and that maybe someone can can benefit and grow from this in their Christian walk with you. Lord, if I said anything that was that was not right or not according to your word, God, I pray you just forgive me and Lord just Lord, just help the people just to throw that out. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that everything was said and done in your order and in your in your ways. Lord, for the unspoken request this morning, Lord, I pray this morning that as, as fear has been cast out and perfect love is set in, Lord, I pray those needs will be met this morning. I pray that you'll build the faith of the people, Lord, that whatever they ask in your name, Lord, it'll come to pass. Lord, I pray you just give them reassurance in their soul, Lord, that just a peace that passes all understanding that when they ask anything in your name, it shall be given to them. God, I pray this morning if there be anybody here who needs healing, Lord, that you would just come while the word goes forth and just give them healing to their soul. Lord, if someone's praying for their family this morning, God, I pray you give them the peace, Lord, to know that, that who you've called Lord, that's to us and to our children, God, that you just give them that faith, that permanent settlization in their soul that they know without a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstance looks like, that you've got it all in control. God, I pray especially for the young people this morning that are having to live through this time and Laodicea and the struggles that they have to go through. And Lord, I pray you just make them testimonies in this town and the town surrounding, Lord, that their testimony be known and Lord, they wouldn't know them by the way they dress or the way they talk, but they'd know them by the way they live and the way they love you. God, I pray for Brother Earl and his, his wife as they're traveling. Be with them. Keep them safe. Lord, and just be with us as we all leave today. Just keep us safe. Help us to be happy. Help us to be faithful Christians in your word, Lord. If we fall, help us to get back up and keep pressing on the battle. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.